You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42Cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and we have another great episode lined up for you. We're going back to Disney Plus to talk about Hawkeye. But before we do that, let's meet our cast for this week. So, starting off, you know him as the guy that absolutely loves comics, which he will tell you at, on every new comic day, and that is my buddy, Eric. How are you doing, Eric? I'm great, man. And... Uh... <laughs> what what I think Nathan does not realize, and I pro- and I probably should have brought up, is the fact that uh, what our friend Sean Rosado is to the Flash, I kind of am to Hawkeye. So uh, mm. this is gonna be fun. <laughs> Nathan doesn't realize what he's what he's brought in on this one. <laughs> yeah, no, I knew you loved Hawkeye, but I didn't realize that you were like the world's greatest Hawkeye fan. Wow. What's uh? What's a Hawkeye? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> nice. He, he's showing me his tattoo for all of you listening who have no idea what is uh, on the video here. But um, but yeah, but you also have like tattoos of other things too. So like like I say, I thought I knew you loved Hawkeye. I didn't know that you were like Sean. Sean, our friend Sean is the world's foremost Flash fan. I mean, like literally like flash everything in his house like he knows all the details all the ins and outs all eras of the flash he is he is the flash guy so Mm. yeah so uh yeah that's quite the claim eric and of course if anyone wants to dispute that claim you can write to everything at 42cast.com you and eric can fight but (laughs) so what's new and exciting eric um just bunch of uh just a bunch of moving stuff around and uh mm. getting uh new bookshelves detolves uh moving stuff around for hopefully better display purposes and uh and playing with uh room space you know yeah. fun stuff yeah <laughs> adult stuff yeah oh god that stuff <laughs> And when we're recording tomorrow, will be new comic book day. So. I, I I don't like I don't like any of that stuff. My wife handles that stuff, and I just move stuff as she tells me to. It's like you want that there, okay, great. Like maximizing <laughs> space, that's that's cool. Uh, I, yeah, but uh, but it's good to have you back on the show, Eric. It is always good to be here, my friend. All right. So next up is someone that I met through Chicago TARDIS. He is one of two actors on this panel today. And uh, that is my friend, Stephen Pickering. Stephen, welcome to your first proper episode of the 42 Guest. Thank you. It's good to be proper after all these years. <laughs> so and, uh, uh, I, I should say that my wife made me get rid of all the adult stuff. <laughs> so uh, I'll just leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, Steven, since this is your first time on the 42 cast, like other than that video panel we did for Dragon Con, uh, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Hi, uh, Josh, what do you want to know? Um, uh, comic book fan for 
the years and years and years growing up, uh, Doctor Who fan, science fiction fan, Star Trek, Star Wars, all the Blake Seven, all the stuff you like, lo- English stuff. Um, I do acting, so there's that. Uh, I'm currently rehearsing a play. I'm going to be filming an independent film um, starting this weekend, I think, which is mm-hmm. very exciting. Um, so lots of projects popping. So hi, it's just great to be here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's great to have you on the show finally something we've been yeah. trying to do for a while. Um, I mean, I yeah. guess you've kind of sort of, you know, we've been on panels and, and I've recorded those panels and stuff like that. But yeah, this is your first actual episode of the show. Um, Very so excited. Do you have a fandom that is like your primary fandom? Oh, gosh. Mm. That's a good one. Doctor Who is probably as close to, close to my primary as anything. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Marvel's got to be a really close second. Yeah. I feel like. <laughs> Yeah, well, Marvel's just been kind of killing it the last yeah. decade or so. So, yeah. I oh, know that's very cool. Yeah, I mean, Doctor Who's my number one fandom too. So, totally understand. <laughs> I get uh, that. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's good to have you uh, on the show, Stephen. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. And finally, our other actor on this episode, and a guy that I met through Dragon Con video panels, and that is Daviar Snipes. Daviar, welcome to your first proper episode of the 42 cast. Yay, I could not be happier to be here. Thank you, everyone. Uh, it is truly my pleasure to kind of sit in this space with all you guys and have some good geek conversations. Awesome. All right, yeah. And uh, why don't you tell us all a little bit about yourself? Yeah, well, like the fabulous Steven, I am also an actor. Uh, I am actually have a production coming up, digital digital production coming up for a theatrical outfit uh, next, uh, actually later this month. And looking forward to doing that. And I am, a, and shout out to Sean, who is apparently this gigantic Flash fan, because Flash is my number one favorite superhero of all time. So I didn't know that. So 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 that is good to know that there's another Flash fan out there. So shout out to Sean if you're listening or whenever you get a chance to see this. Wally West or Barry Allen? Oh, it's 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 gotta be Barry. But really, I just came to that. For the longest time, it was Wally West. But the more I kept reading, the more no Barry is the true hero of the Flash of the Flashes. So it is, it's gotta be Barry. Okay. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I was hoping to hear Jay Garrick in there. But, yeah. uh... <laughs> I would oh, actually oh. put Jay second. Yeah. Like I actually like, Oh, my heart right there. Because uh, <laughs> Sean actually made me read a whole bunch of flash comics. And I was like, mm-hmm. I really like Jay Garrick. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah. I, loved, I love Jay. Yeah. <laughs> and I think a Jay Garrick movie would be fantastic set in like this golden age with yeah. the classic costume, very like Captain America style or Wonder Woman, the original, like in that time period. I think that'd be fantastic. Yeah, oh, I, I think doing like historical superhero films in oh, the vein yeah. of like the Rocketeer, I would yeah. be all about that. Like, yeah. yeah, give me give me Golden Age, or even for Marvel to do like sort of like alternate universe what if movies, yes. just like why not do an Iron Man movie set in the '60s? You know, like and do like the classic, you know, uh, old style Iron Man suit and everything, or you know, or Fantastic Four in the '60s. You get what yes. I'm saying? Like different yeah, yeah, yeah. different decades of just being like, well, what if you know, like instead of like all the all the ones we're doing now are all modern. Mm-hmm but we set them in the time period when they were actually created in the comics and do a movie like that. And I think that would be really cool. But that's what I hope more of what Disney plus would be. That'd be great. So yeah. Yeah. I think they might move that way. I'm just saying it'll, it'll take Mm -hmm. some time, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. for them to to get there. But yeah, I I, I hope that they move that way too. 
And my number Fingers one, though, is actually to, for them to do an Invaders movie and actually have all the World War yes. II uh, yes. Marvel characters in a movie together. I would absolutely yeah. love that. I'd be over the moon. Because even though I couldn't claim that I'm the foremost fan of this character, the Submariner is probably my number one comic character. I absolutely love Namor, and I would love for him to be in some superhero movies. Number one. That's awesome. Oh, there's some rumors. Yeah. No, I know there's rumors, but rumors are rumors. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> if if every character that was rumored to appear in Multiverse of Madness <laughs> actually appears, it would be nothing but cameos Yeah, <laughs> from, from beginning to end. So it's like some of this has to be nonsense. So we'll, we'll Which see. Which is the movie happens. I think will be made at some point, a movie that is just cameos. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nathan, if I can sidetrack just for a second, I mean, what about that that initial talk that the premise before we unfortunately lost Chadwick Boseman that mm. the premise supposedly for Black Panther 2 was going to involve Namor. Did right, you and that was the other one that I've heard. That so mm -hmm. so so he's been rumored to appear both in in Multiverse of Madness and in ah. Black Panther 2. So could be yeah. either cuz the uh director, I think his name's Scott Derrickson, the original director on Multiverse of Madness before Sam Raimi took over. He tweeted, he said something like this is what I've been working on and tweeted a picture of Namor and then took it down from Twitter. Like Marvel was like, oh. you can't do that. So then there's been a lot of speculation <laughs> oh, since then that name was going to appear in Multiverse of Madness. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Oh, fingers crossed. Right. And with the way and with the way Marvel does teasers, it could have just been like the teaser for Namor is in Multiverse of Madness, but he'll actually appear fully in, in Wakanda forever. But anyway, I'm not going to get there because <laughs> way too many rumors, way too much on the Internet, you know. Right. No. And they still have to cast a boy band member to play him. I mean, you know, there's so much to do. So, <laughs> oh, oh, don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway. So, uh, are, um, yeah. uh, what is your primary fandom? My pri Ooh, that's a tough one, man. Uh, my primary fandom, I think, is going to be the horror genre, and then that will be followed by uh, uh, that will be followed by comics. And, and you know, I'm, I'm equally I'm one of those uh, rare fools who's equally Marvel and DC. So uh, I, I don't kind of discriminate between those two two sides or try to rank them. Uh, so yeah, so so horror first, then comics, and then of course looking at some uh, some sci-fi will be uh, my third category. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when people tell me they're Star Wars and Star Trek fans. You can't do that. Yes, you <laughs> can. Pick a side. How dare you? <laughs> Let me be twice my geekness. Why would I? Why would I? Why would I rid myself of that joy of having both sides equally? Pick Marvel or DC, not both, or at Never. least be like, no, I'm valiant. Yes, yes, dude, I will sit there with a Coke and Pepsi in my hands. <laughs> All right, well, uh, Daviar, it's great to have you uh, on the Pleasure. show. Thank you. All right. Well, uh, I was I was kind of um, pondering whether or not to do a five minute controversy, but I think since we introduced two new people on this one, I'm going to forego that so we can dive into talking about Hawkeye. Um, but uh, first, we're going to pause for a promo from another fine podcast, and then we'll get back to talking about Hawkeye. It was the year of fire, the year of destruction, the year we took back what was ours. It was the year of rebirth, the year of great sadness the year of pain, and the year of joy. It was a new age. It was the end of history. It was the year everything changed. The year is 2261. The 
Place Babylon 5. The podcast is the Epsilon 3. Right here on the ESO Network. And like we talked about at the top of the show, we are talking about Marvel's Hawkeye, which was on Disney Plus back in November, which because of some personal things, we're recording uh, in February. So just so everyone's aware, um, you know, it's been a few weeks um, since the series ended, but uh, I think it hasn't been too long for us to to really talk about the series, you know, uh, in in totality. Um, But first off, just so I get a little gauge, and I know Eric's kind of already hinted at it, but... Um, how, you know, like, what is your familiarity with Hawkeye as a character, you know, from the comics, you know, how do you feel about his depiction in the various MCU movies up to this point? Basically, how did you, when you're coming into Hawkeye, you know, sort of what, what are you bringing with you? Um, so let's start with you on this one, Daviar. Yeah. Uh, Hawkeye in the comics never interested me because it was just, it was something that was too simplistic uh, mm. because for me, it's always going to be the powers that draws me in first, mm. but much like with arrow uh, on the CW, uh, particularly arrow season one, when you got to see this person in action, it was, Oh, that can be interesting. Uh, now uh, I, I, I thought Hawk, Hawkeye was well treated during the Marvel movies, but I have to say this show truly showed him in an entirely entirely new light and just gave me a whole other perspective on how interesting this character was. So I would say, yeah, there was very little care about the character until this particular series. And I'm, and I think that's the mark of a really good series when it can totally just give you a deeper appreciation for a character and a new perspective. Okay. All right, Steven. Um, my, my, yeah, I, I, read some Hawkeye, you know, mostly in Avengers and some West coast Avengers and stuff like that. So a little bit with the comics, um, didn't really interest me a ton as a character, sorry, in the comics, other than when they would really kind of mess with his personal life, mm-hmm. but there wasn't really much to say about the character outside of that. So, but looking at how, how they evolved the character into the MCU, um, it started off slow, obviously, um, but it was I, I thought they did a really good job of make finding the really interesting facets in Clint's character. And especially at the start, they really left the audience wanting more from this character. Um, and and as as the films evolved and as they um, started highlighting his character a little bit more, they, they he never really got the focus. He was never really like the star of any of the films, but he was always a solid, interesting character in amongst what was going on. And they found depth as the story unfolded. He became more and more ingrained and more interesting. Uh, So I was really glad to see that progression. And I was very excited to see a series come about that would really do a deep dive into his character. So um, I I actually like him better in the films than in the comics. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, 
Eric, I know you already said that you're the world's foremost Hawkeye <laughs> fan, but uh, you know, how, how do you feel about his portrayal in the MCU uh, up to this point? <clears throat> that hurts. That sentence hurts. Someone <laughs> saying they enjoy, they enjoy movie. I'm waiting for you to tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that sentence hurts so much. Anyways. Um, no, like, I do, I do like MCU Hawkeye. Um, I think the TV show has been the most attention he's gotten for obvious reasons, which is great. But I mean, like, movie number one with, I mean, Avenger, Avengers without Hawkeye, Loki doesn't get defeated. Age of Ultron, without that speech that he gives to Scarlet Witch, they were screwed. <laughs> uh, what happens in Infinity War? Hawkeye's not around. The Avengers lose. <laughs> wow. What happens in Endgame? Hawkeye's back. The Avengers win. <laughs> <laughs> he he gets pretty messed up and his hearing gets shot the shot the hell, but still. Um, yeah, we're gonna talk about no, that when we get to actually talk about the show, but yeah, yeah. The the most we get to see his personality outside of the show is probably Age of Ultron. Um but that's because it really fleshed out, gave him the family life that the main universe Hawkeye was never really shown to have. And it's kind of cool to kind of kind of see him as a family man. And it adds that extra level of character that we never really get to uh, see explored in the comic books be- because classic classic uh, comic Clint is much more of a... Uh, self-professed ladies man even though he strikes out at every chance he gets um and i mean get his wife gets killed by mefesto of all people but um it's it's interesting to see the dichotomy of things that they take here and there mix that into the live action form and it, it actually like streamlines for the most part for the for the better of all the characters that they do that too and i think like I said, there are aspects of Clint that I feel are missing in the MCU, but overall, I think they've done a pr- pretty decent job with them. And I mean, Renner wouldn't have been my first pick when it comes to Clint, but I think he's, especially especially in the TV show, I think he's done more than a good enough job. And I mean, it's obvious he's not giving up this role anytime soon. We'll, we'll definitely be seeing Clint again. It's just a matter of when when and where so yeah um i uh i was a a fan of hawkeye when i was doing my comics reading it took a while to get there um i i read the sort of last issues of avengers west coast so i was there for the death of mockingbird and all that kind of stuff um i I was kind of helped by even though the iron man cartoon wasn't the best cartoon in the 90s i kind of liked his portrayal in that um and really appreciated the heavy sarcasm of Hawkeye and how he was the guy that basically would, you know, would, would, would mouth off, you know, I mean, that was kind of fun to me. That was a, you know, a thing that I appreciated from him. I mean, like, yeah, I'm not a big fan of the whole Archer thing and whatnot, but I got to say, although I haven't read comics in many years, I haven't read a lot of new comics, I should say. Um, I, I don't like how he's depicted now in comics where I basically say he's Dale Gribble from King of the Hill with a costume. I mean, like he looks like also almost emaciatedly thin and I'm just like, no, I mean, Clint's 
Clint's buff. Like he's supposed to be like this well-muscled guy. He's not supposed to look like this really scrawny, scrawny guy. <laughs> and I don't, I don't get where the artists are coming from. I get that traditionally archers are depicted as very thin, you know, characters, but it's like, if you want like power in your bow and you have, you know, I mean like that, you being strong is an advantage to having, you know, shooting for distance. So, you know, if you're incredibly accurate and can shoot very far, I mean, then you are a very, you know, deadly bowman. And so I don't know. I mean, like I, 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 I haven't appreciated what I've seen of like artwork in the last, like, you know, 10, 15 years for Clint. Um, well, sadly the five, last five, six years of publishing, um, they've decided, Oh, we have to meet Kate, you know, Kate the best, but we're going to do that by completely destroying Clint. Mm. And it's one of those things where you want to be like, come here, come here. Who in editorial made that decision? Just come a little closer. I got to have some words with you. Right. It's it's one of those things where every time Kate appears, someone will make someone will mention Clint, and then someone else will be like, oh, that loser. And it's like, this dude has saved the world how many times and you're going to call him a loser are, no. are you kidding me who who are you people what why are you writing Clint there, there's like a lot this? of good things there's a lot of things i appreciate about because like clint's i mean you know power wise is like a captain america right i mean like there's not yep. a lot of power there it's more about like personality and you know like when they were uh, one of the storylines i always remember is um when they they finally got out of that whole heroes reborn debacle and Kurt Busiek was basically revitalizing the Avengers who were like the characters who weren't fooled by like the whole like reality that Morgan Le Fay created cap number one, but Hawkeye yep. also like, you know, like the, with a few mm. others, like it was the two of them who were like so into being an Avenger that they like, couldn't be like, like changed, you know, like it was like, no, this is false. This is wrong. So anyway, I mean, like, so I kind of like that. He's a stand-up guy. Who's really sarcastic, yep. you know, like mm. he's not, he's not just a guy who mouths off and is not going to be dependable. He's really dependable too. So I like that. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, Jeremy Renner, I feel bad for him because Hawkeye is often treated as the and also character <laughs> in these movies. It's like, you know, we we devote very little time to him. You know, it's almost like the uh, let's let's bring him in because we already had him in the first one. And to be fair, the first movie does a good job in that final fight of juggling having characters with the power of Thor and the Hulk with characters like Black Widow and Hawkeye, where there's a huge discrepancy and finding things for them all to do that are valuable and important. Um, but, but you know, it, it's always kind of hurt that, like, they don't, you know, devote a lot of time to him. And, and they've really ratcheted the personality down, too. He gets in the quips every now and then. But you know, it's 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 very very understated. Um, yeah. And if I may, I would actually still like to. With that said, Nathan, I'll still give Jeremy Renner a lot of credit for even with the understated way the character is directed, he still does a lot with just presence and mm -hmm. and, and, and 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 just with like the energy that he brings within that understatedness, where he still comes off as like an authority figure. For me, he never feels like he's swallowed, even in the presence of like these bigger than life people like Tony Stark and Thor and Captain America. He still has a presence there. 
that yes, he is not the guy, he is not the, the number one guy I would look to to save the day out of this group. But the thing about Jeremy Renner is that I, I never feel like he doesn't belong. I feel like, yeah, he's got a place on this team mm-hmm. because of just the way he just carries himself in the presence he always kind of gives the character. So I'll give him that shout out for that and what he's able to do even within those kind of constraints. Yeah, no, I, 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 if I could piggyback on that, and I think uh, also on what Eric mentioned too, that really the way, and, and a lot in Jeremy Renner's portrayal, but the way, and the way it was, is, is Hawkeye is really like the bedrock of the Avengers. He is the foundation that the Avengers rests on. If you, if you really pay attention to that, he, he is, he, he's the home base in Civil War. He is, he is what brings them to he is what keeps them afloat when nothing else will and that's i think that he's not the focal guy he's not the guy who's going to get the spotlight but he's the solid guy who's always going to be there for the team and for his teammates and that is really interesting to look at when you're seeing all these other heroes together and how they're playing off each other that he he maintains that foundation yeah, I, I love the bit in Civil War when he comes back to get Wanda and he's like, I'm gone for like five minutes and everything's <laughs> falling apart. And I'm like, that's a Clint, that's a Clint thing right there. That's yeah. definitely like but, a- but that is that is actually so real, Steven. And I appreciate <laughs> you and Eric for kind of getting you know making that point. I, because I think there is a lot of truth to that. That 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 is a funny line, but it's not just a funny line. Like there is something that team loses when they lose the grounded family man. Like there is something about a team member who has a foundational life with a wife and a kid and kids and a farm that he brings to that team. That when they don't have that, all of a sudden, who's that guy to kind of talk sense into the room? So I think in these little moments that they do have, they give him, in addition to what Renner brings to the role, they, they do show his importance to the team. So I do think that's something really cool to note about it. Right. To justify the fact that he's very different, the fact that he is a family man means, I think, by necessity, he can't be the wise cracking sort of guy that that's so, you know, is able to just brush everything off because this is a guy with responsibilities, whereas the comic version of Clint is is often a loner and doesn't have, you know, those those, you know, personal connections with somebody, even though he has been married, at least for a period in the in the past. And 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 what that does is when they when he transitions to the Ronin character, it brings a tragic nature mm-hmm. oh, to yes. Ronin. Mm. You know, you feel that weight, you feel that loss, you know, um, it, it doesn't wow you with this hero presence thing. Like I think, you know, a superhero movie would you, you feel the sense of, 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 of what this man has gone through to get to this point. Oh, definitely. And in fact, that's how I was going to end things was by talking about Ronan, because we got five (laughs) minutes of me like this is the most riveting stuff they've done with his character in the MCU. And honestly, I was like, I don't want a Hawkeye show. I want a Ronan show. I want a show that's like this is the five years of the blip. You know, because they really never show, you know, we went from, yeah. you know, from there to there and we never got anything in between. And I'm like, I, I want to see a show where where Ronan is like sort of our eyes for what the world was like during the blip. Because, yeah, to me, like that's that's compelling. That's oh, compelling yeah. stuff. Um, yeah. and, and I was really hoping for more of that. Uh, you know, from the show was, I mean, yeah, obviously it's referenced that he had become Ronan. I was hoping we were going to have like more flashback or more like show me more of him as Ron because I want more of that. And, you know, unfortunately we didn't get that. Um, 
but uh but yeah so let's get on now to to the disney plus show since we've all kind of given our background and everything and so uh yeah i mean top level view you know what what are what is everybody's thoughts on it so steven why don't you start us off on this one oh sure um well and and i preface with a lot of the disney plus shows i think in my view are about really sort of two things it's about ex- character exploration going deep dive into some of these characters mm-hmm. and then the other part is just putting pieces in place to be used in the films when they pick up those characters mm-hmm. so and i think the show's do a good job of doing juggling both of those things and hawkeye did a particularly good job as well my my short pithy on this show was that i came into the show really hoping that uh and really kind of dejected that they never really did a, a proper hawkeye and black widow movie and i really would like to see one and i came out of the show thinking i really want to see a hawkeye and black widow movie now but with a different hawkeye and black widow <laughs> mm. oh oh fair enough yeah yeah mm. um so, uh, Davier, what about you? Yeah, I would say I thought the brilliance of this show was in, uh, as I said earlier, was in how it fleshed out the Hawkeye character and not only showed you how he does fit into the, the, this world of the Avengers, but how on his own, how interesting of a character he actually is. Like, I was pretty shocked by how... Because the thing I thought that they were going to do coming into the into the show was really focus on Kate, because I thought that's what that's where the bulk of the interest would be. This young person trying to come up, trying to take the mantle. But I was really surprised at how at how interesting they made Clint and in, and in showcasing how just fascinating he was just handling these situations through his own skill. But, and, it, with, and with Renner brought to it in in regards to them keeping that family connection i love how the family component wasn't like brushed aside so he could go on this adventure but it was like a key kind of side quest with with what he and kate were going through i absolutely love that so i I thought from a character study perspective it's been one of the most effective of the marvel shows um there's some you know there's a quality i got in regards to king and a worry there but that's something we can get into later yeah we're gonna get into that later but yeah i think i think you and i are are on the same wavelength on that one yeah Um, yeah yeah. uh all right so eric what about you when the first episode hit um i got i got a little bit worried because obviously the first episode is um is kate heavy but then you know you get the rest of the show and it's like it's got the better dichotomy between the two of them especially as their relationship grows but um i the show lived up to everything i wanted it to be and i really really ended up enjoying it and i mean obviously we'll get into it later but i mean when they the second they threw in the deep cuts which sadly may or may may or may not be retconning certain things away from agents of shield but that is what it is um unless that code name's been thrown around but the code name and the name being thrown around would be two different things but still um i thought it was i thought it was the the fan service is there because there are deep cuts um the the thing i'm bummed out about is there's been more and more uh deleted scenes that have been coming out and there was this awesome scene between clint and his mom when he was uh he had to be like nine or ten and it's just a really excellent scene that i have no idea why it was cut from the show Mm. i mean my biggest complaint about the show overall is the episode lengths i wish 
had been at least a solid 10, 10 to 15 minutes longer. There were, there were certain episodes where you, where, you know, you get to the end of the episode and it's like, okay, can, can we continue? Why was this only 38 minutes? What is, <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's very much, it's very much, um, it's very much what I want what I wanted it to be. Can I just mention one aspect that I really liked in the TV show? And it's, it's, it'll be short. I promise um, that um, for Hawkeye has always been a guy who didn't did what he did because it was the right thing to do and not for the glory and the honor and the, the recognition and all that stuff. And yet what the show did really early on and didn't make too much of a case, but did really powerfully was show that how, even though he didn't do it for the recognition, that not getting the recognition did sort of eat at him a little little bit and i really like mm. to see that because that just brought a humanity to him yeah no i i mean I, I can see that and like for me it's like you know talking about things that i really really enjoyed from it they're you know and well i mean besides naming off characters that we're going to get to um because there were some interesting new characters as well as some characters that we have seen before in another context um but um is sort of the, the my favorite thing besides that is probably the relationship between uh clint and natasha like the sort of you know every time they bring that up and sort of the trauma of it, like when he's watching the uh musical and mm. and, and you know it's it's awful i mean and we get that but that's not the reason he's having the effect he's watching the natasha on the stage and they're very clear about that that that's what's giving him the strong reaction that you know, he can't take it because he's seeing this, he's seeing this person that he had such a strong friendship with. I, I'm, I'm one of the people who very strongly resists the romantic notion between the two of them and the NCU. Um, but someone he's, who was like his best friend and, and, and seeing her just sort of trivialized in this way, turned into this, you know, singing caricature and, and he can't stand that, you know, like she gave up her life for him and his family you know so like that is like like the height of their and every time they brings up you know the relationship with natasha and all of that like that's so compelling they play in the music from endgame you know like it's just like oh oh my god like that hits me so hard like every time uh, what I didn't like was that we were <laughs> we were cheated from a proper post credit sequence in episode six by them just doing the musical number. And I was just like, oh, my God, this thing is awful. I don't need to see it again. And I, from what I understand, there was an actual post credit sequence that they cut. And I'm like, why did you cut the post credit sequence? Because I want that. Apparently there was a, like a kingpin sequence afterwards uh what <laughs> yeah i'm like that's that's what i would have rather had than that so yeah i was, oh, yeah. I was disappointed by that <laughs> i still i'm still getting a kick out of the fact that there is about um a solid chunk of the internet that is convinced he's dead i'm like yeah okay oh my god are you kidding me, are you kidding me? yeah he's the king fan there's no way he's just, dead just wait until Echo. <laughs> if, we, if we don't see it, it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> He's only dead. Like, there's a reason him. they cut away because if they wanted yes. to kill him, we would have seen <laughs> no, you know shot and him falling yeah. or something. Even this, then, it's a comic book based property, so it's not certain. But if they wanted to convey the idea that he was dead, that's what they would have done. Yeah. Um, that's with, legitimately yeah. exactly what they did in the comic. 
with mm. the cutaway. No, and I, I've seen. I somebody posted oh, okay. like uh, pictures of like the the bit from the comic, and then you see that actually he was just blinded. You know, he's got like a bandana on over his eyes, and he you know can't see. <laughs> no, it's I, I literally saw that, and I'm like, really, internet? You, you should know better by now. <laughs> you don't get rid of Vin- Vincent D'Onofrio the second he finally gets back into a role. <laughs> yes. Right. It, yes. No. No, the, unless they can't sign him, he's coming back. That's mm-hmm. definite. Yeah, it was it was so funny though because the second the Spider Man movie came out, and you know you get the you get the Charlie Cox scene because mm-hmm. that obviously came out the day or I forget if it was or it might have been reversed. It was really close. Is it reversed? Yeah. yeah, I think yeah. it was Kingpin first. But the second you know the second you see the Kingpin scene, my brain just clicked and I'm like, yep. Because I was I was literally seeing Spider Man the next day. I'm like, yep, that means we're seeing Charlie. We're seeing yep. Charlie tomorrow. Oh, one hundred percent, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Can't can't wait for him to show up and meet Spider Man face to face. Oh yeah, probably, yeah, no, it's that's exciting. It'll probably be the next time we see him. Probably will be She Hulk though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, let's talk about um, you know uh, Clint himself in okay. the show. We've talked about him a little bit. Uh, already, you know, uh, in, in the context of the show, but mostly talked about him before the show. Um, so why don't you start us off on this one, Eric? What, how did you feel about the depiction of Hawkeye and, you know, um, you know, the performance? I predicted the second they started talking about uh, Clint finally wearing his ear aids, I was mm. like, I can call exactly when that happened. And I was, I was half right because they even went earlier than that. Cause obviously the scene I was calling it with was the explosion um and when he's down like even more so when he's down in the basement and he has to pull the he mm. has to pull the uh explode exploding arrow with not even like six feet between him and those um uh chitari but i was like i was like right there that's when the hearing loss happened and then of course they went back and kind of showed us civil war and age of ultron and like they basically showed us every single time poor clint you know took a took a hit that uh that would mess up anybody it was kind of like you were waiting for the concussion line to happen right after right after oh how'd you lose your hearing <laughs> it's like oh i've had a lot of oh I, I appreciated that montage show so much because i'm like yes finally like because this is the thing i'm always complaining about it's one thing to be like oh like these people have superpowers and because of these superpowers certain things don't affect them like they should but i'm like there are characters that either a their power doesn't have anything to do with this effect or mm-hmm. b like clint has no power where it's like this should mess them up you know mm-hmm. like there should legitimately some be some problems some some long-term damage that he takes and so i really appreciated them doing that and being like yeah the fact that he's only lost his hearing and doesn't have other problems like that's like amazingly you know amazing for him so yeah the one well one of the more like subtle and definitely my favorite things and especially when they were doing the press junk it's you know Jeremy Renner himself has taught has thrown out West Coast Avengers and talked mm. about, you know, like I think he specifically talked about the Busick run. And I think he's even thrown out references to like Secret Avengers and a few other things because you know you have this huge body of work. But a lot of his performance, um, especially like when he's dealing with his grief, when he's dealing with his post-traumatic stress disorder, when he's trying to like have those very quiet not so much leave me alone moments, but I need a, I need a minute. I need to breathe. I need to like 
kind of compose myself. He's taking he's taking that from, you know, when comic book Clint had to deal with a. Uh, with Mockingbird's death. He's taking that from uh, the House of M stuff when Clint died at, at or uh, disassembled when Clint died at, at Wanda's hands, came back after House of M because she brought him back and was dealing with the fact that, you know, like he was a guy who had to now deal with his, one of his best friends flat out killing him, bringing him back and like leaving him in this position in life where he was... A man by himself and didn't know how to how to handle where he was at now like we never really see comic book clint deal head on with the fact that like um like he has been reborn like he he died came back and everything we never really see him directly talk about his hearing loss which we see on the show a bit more uh, i loved i love the very small bits and pieces where we see that he is teaching himself and his younger kids um some asl because mm-hmm. it's one of those things that i myself would love to learn more more about especially after seeing how it's handled in the show i would love the fact to get to learn more asl but i thought that was kind of great that you see him I, I just love when he tells echo that he doesn't know how to speak sign language and that it's like he totally does <laughs> yep yeah, oh no great. he was yeah i loved him playing dumb to her that was perfect mm-hmm. clint he's he's like even to the point that he makes himself look like an idiot with whatever the sentence he was trying to say because mm-hmm. it's like it's like clint she she knows you're not dumb this is this is echo you might you might not know this version of echo as well as as you do in the um in the comics which we can obviously get to once we talk about echo but um it's one of those things that um is is interesting because it was such a subtle thing that not necessarily that people didn't pick up on but they weren't like they weren't laser focused on that so it was like it was Renner kind of playing that much more subtly than, you know, like the heavy handed stuff that he could play it off as. So it's, 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 it's a very good performance. I love the fact that like you get the lethal weapon and diehard vibes for, you know, the, the veteran guy having to deal with this kid who just, who's driving him nuts and not listening to a word he's saying, but he still has to, you know, he still has to take her under his wing and be like, listen, I know what I'm doing. You got to pay attention to what I'm doing here. Otherwise, both of us are screwed. So it's a real, it was really fun seeing him play all these different levels. All right, WR. Yeah. So in thinking about Clint, I, 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 Eric hit on so much because I think the thing that was so brilliant about it was to humanize a character and to show what what the things they have to do as a human being to be a hero, to mm-hmm. to take on all of the bad guys, does so much in just creating empathy and connecting you to the character. And like, so the aspect of just, of, of having the earpiece, of having the hearing aid, having the family, and like the frustration he has, like with Kate, but also like kind of the admiration he has for who she is. Just all of that, just all of that, like her just being like the daughter that won't listen. Uh, and, and it's just, and, and also to what Jeremy does very subtly just with his body, he carries himself as someone who's kind of been through the muck, mm-hmm. you know, just the way he moves and the way he kind of creaks around a little bit. When he gets into action mode, yeah, he can still throw his punches. But like when he's just in regular guy mode, there's just the way he carries himself. That's just like, you see like this guy has been through some battles. 
So I just think the performance is just incredibly just subtle and just detailed in creating a person that we just really connect to and identify with, that us as the regular people in the audience connect to this regular guy doing really superhero things. I think that was really well done by the job. Yeah, there's definitely a wariness in the performance. Yeah. Or at least I hope that was the performance and it wasn't just like he's like, oh man, I don't really want to do this, but they're paying me. So I'm gonna do this. No, I give him credit. I, 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 felt, I felt that it was wariness. I give him credit. Yeah. <laughs> Steven? Yeah, um, at the risk of sounding even more like a Marvel fanboy than I am. Um, <laughs> as, as an audience member, I came into this thinking that, well, this is obviously, this is the handoff, right? They're going to, you know, the retire the Clint character. They're going to hand off Hawkeye to Kate. And this is going to be where they where the baton passes hands. And the genius that they, that the writers and showrunners, producers did in crafting the show is they took that expectation and made that the arc. And so you saw a guy who has sacrificed so much. He sacrificed his friends. He sacrificed his family, sacrifices his hearing. He has sacrificed everything for the sake of people who barely acknowledged that he had much to do with that, if anything. And he's he's gone off the deep end and and he's just he's he's older and he's done. He's he, you can come into the show. Here's a guy who is just done. And what they did in in crafting the relationship with Kate and training her is they gave him a new sense of purpose at the end of that. That instead of handing off the baton, they revitalized the character. And so the genius of taking that expectation and making it the arc and taking it in a direction I didn't expect, I was just. Uh, thrilled i i this, they did such a fantastic job with that yeah as well as watching the show i mean talking about that wariness you know i kept on hearing the line from clerks i'm not even supposed to be here <laughs> yeah. like you know like it just felt like he was just personifying that whole sense of like mm -hmm. i'm not even supposed mm -hmm. to be here you know and yeah. so yeah like you know you really but got the idea of this guy who was like I, I don't want to do this. I, I don't want to be here. And, you know, I make the joke about how, you know, like, well, I hope that wasn't Renner. <laughs> you know, and that was the character. But that's the thing. Like, he is really, that was a really great performance of just showing that because you felt like the guy was like, I, this is, this is annoying. This is like stuff that it's like on some, in some levels, it's like so low level that I shouldn't even be worrying about this. But because, you know, we find out his wife is involved, although they never did explain how somebody getting the watch would lead them to his wife. You know, we never really kind of got like the explanation there. That's kind of one of my problems with the, with their show. Like it all kind of feels like at the end that it's like, Oh God, that was really you know, that my, was the thing and, no, and why was that a problem you know like i don't i don't know like that my felt... no prize there yeah. my no prize guess at least and obviously they'll probably explain this when there's a season two <laughs> yeah i'm saying it when there's a season two, <laughs> okay. um or wherever they follow up that plot it'll be interesting to see where but i think i think because you know in uh mockingbird herself uh bobby morris because she was literally a shield agent that's that has some sort of shield related tech like it's not mm -hmm. just a normal watch they don't go into what it what it means what it is but i'm sure that had some sh sort of shield tech that the second it gets into the wrong hands uh 
people gonna die <laughs> like it mm-hmm. could have it could be one of those things that has like a codex he said specifically it would reveal the identity of someone which which must he must mean his wife you know like that they would like know who that was you know and so that's not just some not just someone it could be like a codex type of thing you remember mm-hmm. how chuck played with played with that in the chuck show how there was like a a watch or something where like literally this very small device that was connected to something else had a mm-hmm. full on codex full of you know like i think they even tackle that in one of the agents of shield seasons where colson has some data leaked and somebody starts assassinating x shield agents and stuff like that so it could be something along those lines is the second the person get their hands on it there could be all sorts of explanations i mean i know they said something about it transmitting or something like that too or whatever like there could be all sorts of explanations but the thing is it's like they almost forgot that that was the thing that like started all of this you know Mm. it's kind of like it almost seemed like the plot meandered around it and like was kind of oh yeah we got to do something with that at the end and so to me that's like kind of like a weakness of the show but um but yeah i mean renner i think did did a great job with what he was given and you know like like i say like all the stuff with him remembering natasha and you know that kind of stuff like super super strong performance i really felt for him all those times when he brings her up because you can feel the pain that this man has um for that you know like for uh you know for the for the loss um and knowing that she's you know like it was all for him you know like she she exchanged because now in hindsight having seen the black widow movie we know she was basically exchanging being with her sister at least we don't know about the parents if they also were blipped but exchanging being with her sister again for him being with his family you know, and so again, like uh, that, you know, the, you, you get the feeling there. Um, no, but let's uh, let's talk about Kate now uh, as a character I'm completely unfamiliar with, although I heard about her, um, you know, just because you can't you can't hear anything about comics and knowing about like the Avengers characters without knowing like they have junior versions now of a lot of them, which I always feel is like a DC thing that I'm like, Oh, Marvel, you don't need to imitate DC. You don't need like junior versions of the characters, but okay, whatever. Um, But uh, so Eric in the comics, she's actually his physical, his biological daughter, right? That is incorrect, sir. How dare you? Oh, I thought I heard before that she was his daughter. Uh, No. Not, oh, not at okay. all. Her, her name is legitimately Kate Bishop. She oh, okay. has no relation. Oh, I figured like it might have been like a one night stand he had years ago, and like she had her no. mother's name or something. Okay. All right. No, this no. That's never, just, I don't know where never I heard been that. Thing then. In the comics. Okay. No, that's you fine. You misheard. <laughs> yeah. No. I. In fact, okay. Before I talk about the awesomeness that is uh, that is Haley Stan Steinfield and how awesome she is, so. Kate Bishop of the comic books is one of the original members of a team of young superheroes called the Young Avengers, written by the awesome Alan Heimberg, um, who people would have known back in 2006. Don't shake your head. It's a damn good book Uh, (laughs) uh, that people would have known as one of the creators of the TV show back in 2006, EOC, who is writing for Marvel comic books that made lasted 12 issues and technically the first time clint and kate meet is when clint is dressed as captain america because at the time at the time steve was dead tony was trying to replace steve with a new captain america and tries to convince clint to do it and he's just like 
who is this? And then when she says his name, he's pretty much like, Oh, you're, you're Hawkeye, huh? Who, who gave you that? But no. Um, so at one point in the, in the first, first handful of issues, they were talking about code names because Kate basically throws herself into the team when the rest of the guys are like, no, you're not part of this team just because you helped us on one, one thing. So she's so they're like, what about uh Hawkingbird or uh mocking eye like they're going through bad code names because she's basically got like uh mockingbird stuff on and clint stuff so she she has no actual connection to clint other than the fact that she's she's the she's like the next hawkeye she gets trained by clint eventually um in really fun ways actually the ways that he teaches her but um She's part of that team, the Young Avengers. And mm. then talking about Haley's performance overall, um, I, I've never actually watched True Grit. Um, my first exposure to Haley Steinfield was actually the the Bumblebee movie, which I thought was fantastic, mm. especially as a long-term Transformers fan. It was everything I would properly want in a Transformers live-action adaption versus the Michael Bay stuff. It, it, it took five movies for us to get an actual like good Transformers <laughs> movie, didn't it? Yeah, it's a, it's a very fun movie, and she was a very fun human lead for that movie. I was like, oh, this girl's awesome. And then, you know, like when the rumors around her casting as Kate were swinging around, I was like, oh, that would be an interesting choice. And then, you know, you see her in the role and she's she's very similar to Clint. She's she's hot-headed, strong-willed. She's not listening to anybody else, which gets her into plenty of trouble. It's just like, it's all these archetypes that you saw in the, in the Young Avengers comic books that led her into the trouble that she sees herself in inside of the young avengers comics so it's kind of fun to to see that very accurate portrayal of the character and i thought she did a very fantastic job her relationship with her mother is a little bit different um her father plays a bigger role inside of the comic books than he than he does in the uh in the show which i still don't think he's dead at all but that's a whole nother matter and that goes into his super villain stuff and that's that's a whole mess onto its uh onto its own personal theory and all that but um no i thought she i thought she was fantastic she's extremely comics accurate to like the crazy level and i think it's another we were basically just missing two of the young avengers at this point and i think they'll they'll be coming but i think we're getting a young avengers slash champions hybrid team with all these uh younger heroes that were being introduced to uh newer the newer champions by the way uh nate you not the not the classic champions i figured but <laughs> here's the thing all right I, I i feel like the young version of existing heroes thing lacks imagination to a tremendous degree you know, mm-hmm. DC's had it baked in since the beginning, so I give them a lot more slack with that, and they've done a lot of cool stuff with the generational side. It feels like Marvel's just trying to shoehorn it in, because Marvel used to have a team called the New Warriors. They were young heroes that banded together, inspired by the Avengers, but none of them had powers that were that were like imitations of older you know, characters. They were unique characters who just took the idea of, hey, we're all heroes, let's band together and we aspire to one day be Avengers ourselves, you know, and that was kind of the deal with the new warriors and Marvel has done its best to like, sort of like denigrate the new warriors in these years and do this thing that again, lacks any imagination at all. Oh, let's just have a junior captain America. Let's have a junior, you know, Hawkeye, let's have a junior, you know, whatever character, Iron Man, you know, like, yeah, I, 
I, uh, I hate it. I, I hate Before, everything <laughs> about the concept of the new, uh, the young Avengers, but I mean, obviously going to get, uh, the other guys in on the conversation but before we get into before we get into that <laughs> if you're gonna defend I, I young do avengers to, don't bother eric because we're not talking about it i'm no, just saying I why i don't like it your point because while i agree that the that the new that the young ugh, that the new warriors have been taking some really unnecessary punches except for the fact that that uh Nova's in space kicking a whole bunch of a whole bunch of ass mm-hmm. yeah i've, I've read some of that yeah. of, crazy leveled uh van but they even replaced him with some like little tiny kid nova and i just like no uh, rich rich is still around yeah they're both they're both very much active but no being a guy who's been legitimately reading all these new legacy heroes and it's crazy the fact that marvel does now have legacy heroes marvel realized oh wait you know we can have more than one spider-man here's miles morales he's a fantastic character Here's Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel, another fantastic character. Here's, here's, um, I'm gonna blank on Sam's. See, Sam's Kamala, name, I give, and Nova. Kamala and Miles are different because their powers aren't imitations, right? They're, they're sort of, kind of, you know, like Miles but, is like, but he's got like different spider powers, right? And so, like, Kamala do- isn't, doesn't have Miss Marvel powers. She has stretchy powers. So, again, it's like, those are a little bit different. If you, if you want, okay, okay, once, once again, before, before we, I, I don't want to keep dredging on this, but your 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 understanding of the Young Avengers is completely off base. Okay. No, the only the only is Kate Bishop and Archer. Yes. Moving on. Back at the <laughs> The only character that shares any similarities with their parent is uh, is Billy is Wiccan, and even his. Even his um, magic okay. works. All right, now I don't even mothers. want you to bring up the 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 Scarlet Witch and Vision kids who shouldn't even exist. I like that's another thing that just makes me so mad. So moving on, Daviar. <laughs> what do you what think about Kate love Bishop? <laughs> <laughs> Bringing it back to Kate Bishop on Hawkeye, right? <laughs> that was beautiful. Uh, yeah, so shout out to Haley Steinfeld. Uh, Please watch Edge, The Edge of uh, 17 if you haven't seen that. She That is really like her coming out performance. She got the Oscar nomination for True Grit, but she is fantastic in The Age of, age of 17. Uh, I think that's what it was. Uh, and But yes, I think she as a character is good in this show, but I think the show, I don't think I don't think she can carry the show on her own yet. And, and I thank God they had Jeremy Renner there to kind of bring the gravitas that he did and kind of and the foundation to the show because I think her character and yeah I get it his first season yeah, and all of that but still I mean I don't know what the plans are with this show but it, her character it, it wasn't enough her alone wasn't enough to keep me engaged because she she has these moments where she's she's headstrong yes but a lot of the th- I hate when characters put themselves in, in peril by stupid actions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's up to other people to kind of risk themselves to like get that person out. So, because it's like when that character starts putting other people in danger because of their foolishness or their arrogance, then that starts to turn me against the character. So I thought there was a little too much of not 
at no point recognizing what her own limitations were, just from the growth of, the, of a character. Uh, just, you know, like, okay, where maybe she starts out super cocky, and then through the course of the show, okay, there's still some stuff I need to learn. I mean, and when the show ends with her taking on Kingpin, we'll get to that later. And she's able to walk away from that fight. We'll get to that later. Oh, God. Later. Yeah, don't get me started about that, because I'm like, no broken bones? Nothing? Seriously? <laughs> Kingpin, hand to hand, and live to tell the tale. But uh, but but I digress. Spitting up blood whatsoever? (laughs) (laughs) No, nothing. Barely a scrap. Especially when they when they got Fisk at the level of power that he should have. You know, because in Daredevil he never seemed as strong as he should be. He was strong, but not like comic strong. And then this, it was like, oh no, he's comic strong. And it was like, (laughs) oh wow. And I was like, oh, but oh. She could just beat him with no okay. Yes, because she's that good. Uh, but yes, but I, I think I think the performance is good. I'm very interested to see how the character grows because they can't keep this character, I think, in the same place and the character remain interesting. Mm. So but I think you have an actor who is capable of that growth. So I'm interested to see where they go for season two. All right. And uh Steven. Yeah, and I, I, I will shout out for Haley Steinfeld in uh, True Grit because that's the first place I saw her in, and she is amazing in it. Um, really, really, that's that that's what made me a fan of hers. Um, and and as far as where they're going to take the character, I still want to see a Hawkeye Black Widow, but now I want to see, I want to see Kate <laughs> and and Yelena in a film or so, in a series together. Their chemistry was fantastic. The the thing I found interesting about Kate. Uh, as opposed to really any other superhero, certainly in Marvel, um, is that this is the first hero character that's been introduced to the audience as someone who who rises to the level of uh, rises to the occasion of having to be a hero because she's a fan, and in a lot of ways, this is a love letter to fandom. This is a love letter to you know with the Larpers and others. There is just there are just. L- Little little hugs to the fans all over this thing that I really enjoy. Oh, okay, all right. No, no, no. I, I got to interrupt here, Stephen. <laughs> okay. You you think the Larpers were a love letter to the fans absolutely. and not, not a horrible caricature? Because no, absolutely. I was the fan. Like, look, I get the thing of like, you know, furries are the people Larpers make up fun of. Larpers are the people gamers make up fun of, and game gamers are the people that you people make fun of. I get that, but. LARP, I, like, I'm going to stand with LARPers here as a gamer and be like, I was offended on behalf of the LARPer community for that betrayal. Like, that was such a caricature. They were so offensive to make them seem that stupid and that disconnected from reality. I'll give you when they first when they first appeared. Oh, yes, that was definitely a caricature. But when they brought them back and they were useful and some of them were really, really interesting characters. Like there were a couple of those characters I would really like to see like on their own. Um, I, 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 I did see a, a, I, I, I did see um, a, a respect that you know maybe it was me but i saw i saw respect for the fandom and i saw so so and and that's the thing with 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 kate especially is this is a, this is a hero born of fans and I, I i do like the outreach to the the little you know the acknowledgement to the fan that they appreciate the fans that w- what we bring to uh, to their to their properties where we come see the movies when we dress in in the costumes and i i, I like that appreciation and i think this was a little nod to to us as fans the, the LARPers are all um, um, named specifically in a full-on Easter egg to several uh, comic book characters. Um, okay. I believe, 
I believe they're all actually connected to Clint's circus days, but don't quote me on that. Except for mm. Grills. Grills is actually yeah. from the Fraction Run, which uh, is where a lot of the uh, a lot of the overall thematic elements are taken from for the show. But Grills is a character from that, and the rest of the circus character, uh, yeah, the rest of the LARPers are all based on a uh, based on actual uh, Marvel characters. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm 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 not gonna make any friends here, and and I'm probably closest to Daviar on this one. I I hated Kate, like like to me, hands down, as far as characters. Like every minute she was on the screen, I was like, there's no reason that Clint should even be humoring this girl. Like she was annoying. She was constantly putting herself in his business. It was like. Yeah, he needed to interact with her a little bit because he needed to find out about the costume and what was going on and all that. But it's like, I, I did not see anything positive from that performance at all. Like the whole thing about like the person who like gets into trouble and has to be rescued and all of that stuff. Whereas just like from the very beginning when she like destroys like the bell tower and everything, I'm like, this person is awful. And even like all her <laughs> assumptions were wrong about like, oh, it's Jack, like he's the bad guy and all of this. And I'm just like, why, why? Other than the fact that she's being written as the, the like the uber character, you know, and Clint's a, like, a, like a side character in his own show. It's like, no, like, you know, like just everything revolves around her. And I was just, I don't know. I, I did not get the Kate loves. I know a lot of people love Kate and this wasn't because of my hatred of the idea of young Avengers. You know, this was, this was based totally on the show that I got and knowing nothing about the character. And if she's just like that in the comics, that's fine. And for people who love those comics, that's fine. But I don't, I don't like it. <laughs> you didn't like the chemistry with her and Florence Pugh. You didn't like the chemistry of those two. Those two I, I, okay. together. All right. So, so, all right. Um, and yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to say something here that again everybody's Definitely talking about that. And I'm like that felt like a forced friendship to me. That wow. felt like it's the same thing. I feel like it's the same thing as like if you watch Supergirl. Um, they did this thing where suddenly she and Lena Luther were besties after knowing each other for two minutes. That I was like, that friendship feels super forced, and that's what it felt like with Elena and 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 her that Kate. That it was just like, oh, suddenly they barely talk to each other. It's like, oh, I really like you, Kate Bishop. That doesn't be best friends. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Like, this okay. comes out of nowhere. Why? And then they have her behave the same way with Kate that she behaves with Natasha. And I'm like, that yeah. was a cute thing when it was to like her, her sister that she grew up with thinking that was her sister. It's not cute if she's doing it with everybody she meets. And so I don't know. I just, I was like, she, okay. I, I wanted Yelena to be a more professional slash you know ruthless character in this and i didn't get that and i was a little a little disappointed okay. by it okay first of all nathan uh that russian accent was awesome Thank you. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> hold that in your back pocket for later second of all i think i kind of i think I'm, I'm i'm with you on the kate elena connection because I almost feel like the way they wrote Kate and how arrogant and just how like, oh, I'm a badass, I can do anything. Mm. I almost felt that that relationship should have been way more confrontational because who has Kate ever met? Like who is another, who is a female equals or maybe even superior mm. to like the stuff that she thinks she can do. So I feel like there should have been more of just like a natural, like, jealousy or maybe conflict there that they could have played with. And again, let that relationship maybe change and evolve over time. But I feel like it, there should have been a little bit more antagonism there. That could have been a, that could have been very interesting to watch. Like, Hey, how they had to like 
work through that and be like where it goes in the future. Right, because we know Yelena was paid for a hit on Hawkeye and also has the personal reason to go after him. Why is she like, oh, this person's connected with Hawkeye. I'm going to befriend her. Like, I don't know. It just felt really forced to me. Like, it came out of left field. It was just like, these two are going to be besties now because we're trying to do what what Stephen wants, which is, like, probably do some sort of, you know, what's wrong with that? spinoff or something. <laughs> It, it, I mean, I it's a it's a hill I'm going to die on. I yeah. I'm fine with that, but I and I'll still take I I will take any any I will take the most superficial relationship in the Hawkeye series and say that it is deeper than almost any relationship on Supergirl. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> all right, okay. I just said there are hills I'm willing to die on, but right. no, that that what I saw as, and maybe this is me reading in, but Yelena starts to befriend her because that's a route in to get to Hawkeye, and that's what she's trying to do. She's she seemed laser focused to get to Hawkeye, and she's going to take any means that she can to do that, including keep your friends close and your enemies closer, make your paths make your paths short, and that's certainly a short path in. And it makes sense. And I just, I like the chemistry between the two of them. And I would love to see more of that. I don't know how that'll develop after the end of this and what, what they both know about each other now. But I, but, I thought their scenes were really fun. But Stephen, I'm right there with you, though. And I think, yeah, Yelena is, you know, you know uh, is going to have chemistry with anybody she's with on screen. Yeah. But I, yeah, I think Florida I'm is with, awesome. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, but I'm is. with you in regards to... I, yes, to what you said, I wanted to see more of that. I wanted to see more of the manipulation that Yelena could have used against Kate, but but it didn't feel like that. It didn't feel like it keep your keep your enemies close. It felt like she genuinely was reaching out and connecting with her. Like if there had have been this more manipulation of her to get Clint, that would have been fun to watch. So just just kind of more of the two sides kind of being at odds because they're both like these powerful like women and occupying the same space. And I would assume that how these characters are presented to us, that if these two characters are in the same space, there's going to be a fight for who gets to own this space. That it's not going to be this, oh, let's both be in this space. That's not how those characters have been written up to this point. So I wanted, I thought that would have been very interesting to see them trying to, to up each other to get to where they're trying to go. Yeah, I mean, part of it, I, I have to say, part of it is also like my... My my desire, you know, far more than to see like our sort of like kids version of the MCU is to see the Thunderbolts, which is where I'm hoping they're going with with yeah. stuff like that. And so for that, that meant that I want Yelena's character to be twisted more to the evil side so that we can do the whole thing of we got a bunch of these characters who are evil for a while and then have to reform. And so, but it seems like they're pulling way back from like the hints at the end of Black Widow that we're like, oh, Kate's maybe going to the dark side, you know, that like, oh no, we got to pull that way back because like everybody loves Yelena. And so we want to like have her be 100% totally positive where, you know, like she's, she's, you know, not, she's kind of wishy-washy on the whole hit from the beginning and even starts like investigating who hired her and all that kind of stuff where it's like this is not like you know this is not like a cold-blooded assassin at all so i don't know i felt like that stuff was like it wasn't what i wanted to see from yelena at this point anyway so i can't i can't say that it, that that i can't divorce that 100 percent from what i got but to me it just felt like a forced friendship all right so so now so we don't take a long time to go just going through each character one by one everybody take a character you know, just one 
that you're going to talk about. And then we'll, we'll all talk about that character. And it's okay. Like try to be, obviously be respectful, but like, it's okay. If you want to jump in, like, you don't have to wait for, you know, everybody to finish talking before we go around. Um, but um, Steven, why don't you start us off? Take a character besides Kate or Clint uh, that you want to talk about from this show. Oh my, I almost feel like I should grab somebody like really obscure, but I, 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 I'll, I'll go in and say Kingpin just because I was happy to see him. So, oh. and somebody's going to say it at some point. So, yes. So, I, so, so, all right, all right. So, with Kingpin, I got to ask the question of everybody. Yep. Is this a variant of the Fisk from the Netflix shows? Do you think, or do you think this is the same guy? No. All right, Eric's already given his answer. <laughs> Steven? I okay. I this is another hill I'm going to die on. But I, <laughs> wow. I'm wow. I'm I'm a big fan of it's. You know, because I'm not a big canon fan or continuity fan. I think these are the great things for fans to argue about. So I'm I'm a fan of it fits until you tell me expressly that it doesn't. So so for me, I haven't seen anything to say this is not the same kingpin. Therefore, it is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I I totally think it is the same kingpin. And that worries the hell out of me. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Because their Netflix is kingpin does not fit into this world mm-hmm. this and and and, 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 I, and i'm very disappointed by how this kingpin will be adapted to fit into this world that that scares me yeah i i, I personally think because of everything that's been going on that it's it, there you know him and and of course you know matt murdoch appeared in spider-man far from home that this is basically like an alternate universe from the netflix shows um you know the way that he's depicted because remember fisk went to jail twice in the Netflix series, like he does not seem like a guy that like is well known as a criminal in this. It was one of the things that disappointed me about the Netflix series that they just kept getting put in jail. I was like, no, no, like it shouldn't be well known that this is like a criminal guy. Like this shouldn't be like a thing. Um, but uh, but you know, I think that they're kind of rebooting and restarting using Vince D'Onofrio because he is so good, you know. But uh, but yeah, I I, I mean. Just for my own two cents on on Vince, I mean, I loved seeing him and I loved his performance. But again, they went with the whole thing of in the middle of the street, he pulls a woman out of her car. And and once again, I'm just like, I love seeing the physicality. I love seeing that. But like Fisk is too smart for that. He should be too smart for that, where he doesn't do obvious things like that. Yeah, if people come and attack him he'll use that super strength of his and like, you know, beat them around, but he doesn't go out and do big ostentatious moves like that in public because he, you know, he doesn't want anyone to know who he is. He doesn't want anyone to know that he's in charge of all this crime and everything. So that disappointed me that they did that. But otherwise I love seeing the physicality, love Vince D'Onofrio doing uh, Fisk, you know, so all that was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. His his performance as Fisk is is incredible. Um, mm-hmm. He's got all the the weight and the gravitas and the, just the presence of, of a Wilson Fisk. Um, I, I would almost like to see a Kingpin film, maybe um, from his point of view, because I I think you could there you could set up you know those the sort of layers and that plausible deniability that we know the Kingpin as as a Kingpin of crime would have, you know. Um, 
he would not be the focal point. He would have layers between him, but he's strong enough to keep anybody who got through those layers from really taking him down. Um, so you could almost see like almost a Godfather us kind of film with Kingpin. That could be very interesting. Oh, I would love that. I would love, honestly, I would love to see Fisk as a character that appears in lots of, not necessarily yeah. like the guy, the hero has to fight at the end of the movie, but I'd like to see him connected to, yeah crime you know like in a spider-man movie again he doesn't have to right. be the big bad at the end but just to know that he was in charge of someone who was the big bad you know something like that where it's like and then at the end the reveal is oh it was the kingpin manipulating events or something like that you know like that that's the kind of stuff that i would like yeah. to, to see for him to be more of an overarching character rather than you know here's a show he's going to get fight and get defeated <laughs> I, I i feel like we have enough of those characters you don't need to make fisk that guy yeah at least not until the re redo redo of the daredevil right. <laughs> <laughs> you know and, and there are fine stories you can tell with Fisk as the ultimate villain in either daredevil or spider-man mm -hmm. you know as an example uh you know any street level you know kind of character but uh but yeah i mean like i say i would rather they used him for a while as more of a shadows kind of character yeah and then build up to that as a thing where somebody confronts him I, I, I almost feel like the reveal was done in a way to let the audience know that, okay, we have to show you a couple of cards in our hand. You know, we do have yeah. these characters. We're going to show you they're here. Totally agree. Totally agree. The, uh, totally, totally put in for that. Ooh, moment. Guess you'll see later. Yeah. It 100%. Yeah. Oh, and the timing with Spider-Man, you know, that yeah. that was time to like, be like, Oh, these are going to yep. be like within like a week of each other or whatever, two <laughs> weeks, whatever it was, where it's like, yeah, we're, we're going to drop these at the, at the same time. So yeah, that was, that was well done by Marvel. Yes. Um, almost feel like Kevin Feige is the only person who knew that was all happening at once, but <laughs> <laughs> well, he's, he's good on the PR side. I mean, the fact oh, yeah. that, you know, as much as people complain about like the fact that Marvel trailers have a lot of things in them that aren't actually in them movie whereas with other movies that's more of an accident right if something's in the trailer from an earlier cut or whatever that's like an accident marvel's <laughs> deliberately misdirecting people by like you yeah. know using some cgi to hide something or do whatever and it's like oh wait a minute that scene that looked different in the trail you know like he's, yeah. he's very good on the pr side of making sure yes. that things have maximum impact um but uh but yeah so erica any comments about kingpin in this I think it's far more terrifying seeing a version of Wilson Fisk that is rebuilding his empire versus the Wilson Fisk that was on top of his empire that we see, you know, in, in Daredevil. I think it's an interesting dichotomy to kind of see the, the flip and the switch because even D'Onofrio was talking about that in interviews after he was revealed to finally be back in the uh, MCU. And he was talking about the fact that, you know, here, here's Wilson Fisk back and was was active during the snap and kind of trying to rebuild his empire. So this is like he's not at ground zero, so to speak, but he's very much a Wilson Fisk who's kind of like rebuilding everything that he lost that we saw him lose. So whether or not, you know, whether or not there's a Vanessa uh, around anymore, what what variations might might exist on the history between him and Matt Murdock is a different part of the story versus what he himself has revealed as, as, a, as an actor who's been playing the character where he's specifically saying, this is a guy who's 
trying to rebuild his criminal empire. So it's kind of kind of interesting and and terrifying to see as as Davier brought up with the uh with Kate Bishop trying to go head to head with him and him just giving her that look like girl I will crush you <laughs> literally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will break every single rib in your body by throwing you against a wall. But apparently not break a single bone in your body by throwing it against that wall. <laughs> and then, look, to be fair, I had the same criticisms in the Black Widow movie where we see Natasha oh, take no. balls and things. That yeah. play. I love the movie overall, but I'm like, she's a regular human. Yeah. You know, like, she shouldn't be taking falls that, like, you know, Thor, you know, can take. You know, like, there's a difference in the power level here. So, you know. <laughs> oh, God. It's not much of a movie, though, if they're dead 20 minutes into the movie. So, yeah. you know. I, I mean, Eric, I mean, I would argue, though, that we've never seen to like, it feels like with the Netflix stuff, too, like, this was always climbing and then was taken down before he could ever be that kingpin. I mean, only, the only time we've really seen it in live action was in the uh, 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 the Daredevil movie in 2003, where we yeah. had an actual comic like kingpin <laughs> that was sitting, you know, had worldwide criminal, you know, power and everything. Like, like the Fisk, the, the, the D'Onofrio Fisk you, disc has never been allowed to be the kingpin. And that's what I really want is for them to why, let why him be the kingpin. Why are you making me miss Michael Clark Duncan right now? Hey, not the worst, like not the bad part of that movie at all. He was great. No, no, good. he was awesome. Him, yeah. and, him and Colin Farrell were awesome in that movie because they they got the assignment and they nailed it. <laughs> it's not a great movie, but they got the assignment and they nailed it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I like Michael Clark Duncan also. But um, all right, so um, in peace. <laughs> so Daviar, uh, what's another character you'd like us to talk about? Elena. We got to uh-huh. talk about Yelena. Uh, so glad I don't go into shows, no, no, you know, looking at spoilers or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I was surprised when she showed up uh, when she did. Uh, and but I, it, she was a great jolt of energy. I was glad she was able to transfer all the energy she had from Black Widow properly into the show. Like I, I didn't feel like it was a, a different character or she had to be muted in some way. And I, and I just and I just love what she what she brought. I mean, again, I talked about what I would have liked to have seen uh, them do more of with mm-hmm. the character, but just kind of having her presence there was still fun. Florence Pupo uh, is, is, is just, it's just really fun to see in this role. Uh, so yeah. So happy, happy to see you later. Uh, the, what they've done in these Disney plus shows with people coming back from the snap, both between her and with Monica Rambeau in oh, one division yeah. has also been some of the most compelling stuff that they did for the perspective of somebody that basically she's just in the bathroom. Suddenly the bathroom changes around her from her perspective and she comes out and then she's like, Oh my God. You know, after what's, you know, it's been explained to her like, Oh my God, I got to call Natasha. And then it's like, Oh no, like that's even worse, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, like that, that was, that was very well done. And again, in a very yeah. short amount of time, basically telling you, the story that you needed to know about her and you know like why like the loss of natasha is also such a big touchstone for her um you know in 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 this story mm-hmm. agree to that uh anyone else want to say anything about yelena 
I'll chime uh, in. I, 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 I love what Elena. I, I really do, and I love what Florence P does with the character. I think there's, and I, I, I think that moment that where she comes back from the snap, that was genius because it was almost a perspective we hadn't seen, not even in Wandavision, where we hadn't seen from their eye, from the mm -hmm. experience of the person who came back and what that must have been like and how disorienting. So I loved that scene, but I, I, what, what. What I love about Yelena's characters, I really, you know, it's like you were talking about they they really kind of want to push her to being like more of the hero character and more and you want to see her kind of in the darker side. And I really kind of feel like I don't know where she's going. I feel like there's a lot of different levels in there that we still haven't seen yet, even with the jokiness. And I like the the kind of, you know, self-referential hu superhero humor is kind of fun. And and she's very energetic and, and charming. And I, I, I love the energy she brings into the, the character. But I, I think there's a lot of ways she could go that would not surprise me because there's so many possibilities with her. Stephen, I hope you're right. Uh, it being a Disney Plus show gives me pause. If this was Netflix, I'd be right there with you and thinking, what are the dark sides to this character that we've yet to see that can still be revealed? But the Disney Plus aspects of the show makes me think they know this character is a fan favorite. They know this character is a crowd pleaser, and they're going to keep this character in a safe box. They're not going to take any risks and like and like having the fan base flip or or having having little kids like not like her anymore because she went too dark. I I I I, I hope you're right, but I, I doubt that because of just the uh, the network that it's on. Yeah, no, no, I, I, and I, 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 I see where you're going with that, and I hear that yeah. a lot, and and it's the Disney thing, but I think Kevin Feige weighs even higher on that or more heavy on this than than Disney does, and Kevin Feige is all about taking risks. He has taken risks, I swear, since Winter Soldier, all of the films after that has been a risk. You know, he has changed the tone, he has changed the 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 focus, and and the thing in her performance that really makes me interested to see where she's going is to what, and if you watch the show again. Watch her focus. She is laser focused on what she's doing. And even with the side conversations or whatever, she never loses that focus and sense of purpose about her. And that's makes her really powerful and really interesting. Okay. Hopefully. Eric, do you have anything to say about Yelena? I hate comic book Yelena. I oh. hate comic book Yelena a lot. And I love Florence Pugh, and she's awesome as the movie version of Yelena. And she's one of those characters that, thankfully, because of the, the hybridization, a lot of what they do with these characters is a stronger character on the movie side of things than she is in the comic book side of things, thankfully. Because in the comic book side of things, she's basically just a very boring one-note Black Widow ripoff. There's no easier, no no different way to say that that's flat out exactly how she's written a lot of the time in the comic books so it's it's great to see her actually have this unique and fun personality inside of the uh inside of the movies where she obviously does have that darker side and i would argue for davier's point where it's um i would argue that we don't necessarily have to worry about disney plus when you have when you have um people being murdered on certain shows or 
like flat out blood being put on Captain America's shield or to a lesser extent in that in that moon tra- moon night trailer his knuckles are bloody while he's while he's beating the hell out of what I what I'm pretty sure is a werewolf so Disney Plus is experimenting with their darker sides of their storytelling and not shying away from it I mean Bad Batch is showing the literal empire being born before our eyes in the darkest ways imaginable so it's kind of I don't think we have to worry about things being toned down on Disney Plus necessarily now that they've found their footing as a network. I mean, obviously, they are still playing a lot in Hulu, but I don't think we have to worry about um, Yelena being played for comedic comedic effect when she's still very much. I mean, look at that. Look at that scene between her and Clint. Neither of them was pulling punches and they were both once again grieving in very different ways because Yelena was fed false information and Clint had to be like no listen this is the truth um this is how I've been torturing myself over that truth for what two three years at that point since um no like a like a year or two since a end game at that point but it's like we don't necessarily have to worry about these characters being all jokey and, you know, like, oh, make 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 a joke every two seconds because it's they're still going through pain. They're still having to deal with these very serious issues and not not five seconds later being like, oh, let me make a stupid joke here. Like they're finding that tonal that tonal equivalence without tonal whiplash. If that makes sense. To be fair, though, there's a there's a huge spectrum between jokey, like quip a second, you know, uh, like never, you know, never being serious and what Daviar is talking about. Because I mean, like so far, like the Disney Plus stuff has not been like the Netflix stuff at all as far as tone. And I think that's, you know, I think that's what he's talking about. It's like it's never going that dark, um, you know, because, yeah, I mean, they, you know, I mean, Disney has always had a family friendly uh you know like image you know to portray and so i mean it's like yeah we might see blood on some knuckles but you're not going to see fisk bashing somebody's head in the door repeatedly not to say that that's necessary i'm just saying there's a certain level they won't go to for sure um yeah i think i think i think the line they're going to walk is they're going to they're going to try to be dark without being brutal yeah and my question is I wonder how effective that can be with these characters, especially with someone like a kingpin when a history has been established with that character. Uh, and with the and with Yelena, with who she's supposed to be. Like, we know what this character is trained to do. Like, this character is trained to be the most efficient killer, like, alive. And it's kind of, so. so what does that look like in this world? Like, if we're establishing these characters as threats, and if we're establishing the drama and the conflict between these characters, those aspects of them have to be have to be have to be built have to be built upon, and that's the thing that I'm interested to see. Because I think, and the reason I'm interested to see that, just speaking for myself, you know, out of this, is because I think the more those characters get to play with those tropes, the more interesting I think Kate's growth becomes. Because now she's not just in play world, now she's in a real world with real dangerous people. And it's like, how does that cockiness and how and how does how does that narcissism fit in to this world where there are people like Kingpin who will cut off a man's head or with Yelena, who is the, the world's most efficient assassin? Like, how does how does Kate fit in with these people and how does that force her to grow? 
So from a from an interesting from a standpoint of like what makes the characters and their dynamics more interesting, that's that's why I would love to see those characters kind of pushed to that degree. So yeah, to take Kate out of this cutesy, oh, isn't she cool kind of place? So yeah, yeah. I mean, I will say like something that disappointed me. I don't think it was like horrible or it wasn't like something that i'd say is 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 bad or whatever is i was disappointed that they resolved the yelena clint thing within this series like i knew clint was gonna have to get away i knew he wasn't gonna be murdered but the fact that he's just like you know like oh no you got it right you know like i can't remember exactly how it all played out and how they like went back and forth but he basically and she believed him and i was just like oh mm. like I, I i feel like that was too easy like that was too much like it should have been like she tried to kill him mm-hmm. he gets away she'll she'll come after him another day kind of thing like that's what i wanted from that and again i feel like it's again they're trying to spin her character to be a much more positive character and again i wanted to see more of like an assassin type character um you know from that yeah one track minded i'm here to kill him right that's that's my mission and and maybe there's something where kate saves him or something and that kind of sets it up where 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 now the target is on both their backs from yelena i don't know something like that just to kind of it doesn't have to be uh, neatly bowed at the end of this first season. We still got some some room to grow and things to do. So, so yeah. So I'm hoping you guys are, are, are right. So uh, very interested to see where it goes. Well, and, I, and I think, and you guys are, I think you're are, are right as well. But I think you know, if we say yes, the end game of this is that she will take Black Widow's spot because a lot of and a lot of this phase of Marvel is about bringing in the new the new generation of these hero identities, you know, our new Iron Man, our new Captain America, our new Thor, our new, you know, Black Widow. But if you know that's where you're going to go, well, that, if Kevin Feige is creative, and he is, he's got a lot of play in how he takes, what path he takes to get her to that point. And he can go a little dark. He can go very dark with her, knowing that he's go- this is where he's going to take her because there's that redemptive path to make it sort of family-friendly. So you can, you can go into that area knowing you're going to be able to take her out of it. That's what I'm hoping to see. We'll have to see how it all, how it all develops. Uh, but Eric, what, what other character would you like to talk about? I'll go with Echo because I okay. love Echo. She yeah. is beyond awesome. One of my one of my favorite things actually has nothing to do with the show. Well, it kind of does, but it's it's the fact that so the actress is obviously of uh, American, um, yeah, Native American mm-hmm. descent. Um, she's also um, she's also an amputee, mm-hmm. but the character wasn't an amputee. But because the actress is, they added that onto the character, but it didn't didn't feel like a forced inclusion just to be like, hey, guys, look, we got we got a deaf actress who's also an amputee. Look at, you know, look at this special choice. Yeah, I didn't know that that wasn't part of her comic self. I just thought that that was all part. I was like, wow, they found an actress who fits all the (laughs) bills. I was like, that's pretty amazing. They just they threw it into into the script and into her character because she Mm. she is one and she's still probably one of the biggest uh badasses in the in, in the entire show and it's it's awesome because echo was very much her her uh comic book counter uh, counterpart i i was a little bummed out that her um um i i always blank on if it's a because it's been a while since i've read you know like the at least her origin i always blank on so she has that it's very subtle on the show, but she has like the handprint over her eyes. 
Like you'd actually have to look up uh, artwork of the character to really see how prominent it is. But she basically has like, it looks like a handprint over her eye, um, which I thought, which I think is such a unique thing for, you know, like a unique, basically birthmark type of type of situation. But um, no, it's, she's very much in the spirit of her comic book counterpart. And it's, it's awesome to see. And it's even funnier for for me as a long-term comic book reader because clint would have in the comics clint would have never been ronin if it wasn't for echo because echo was ronin because of daredevil daredevil asking her to take on the role of echo i mean of of ronin she takes on the role of ronin is captured and then the new avengers um are brought in to save her as a favor to daredevil and clint takes on the ronin costume that they have in in their hideout and they go to save her and that clint becomes ronin and it's it's kind of funny to see that see how things have kind of spun in the different direction in the movie side of things where it's like okay echo was never ronin echo was echo and echo is not 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 necessarily a a bad person but she's obviously you know this leader of this this gang who does horrible things for as we found out for kingpin and echo herself you know finds out and you can tell just how much she doesn't like being being played by anybody because her basically her basically surrogate father which is the role that kingpin plays in the comics more so than in the movie side of things but she finds out that you know this this man that she thought was family played her for a fool and definitely did not like that and, and very very much respected hawkeye's uh position and where he where he is in in the marvel universe at this at this point in juncture she's like oh that's that's hawkeye we can't we can't kill hawkeye but i'll beat the crap out of him to get the information i need and it's kind of it's it's very fun to see this kind of introduction of echo as this almost mercenary like character where she's a martial artist she's she's this awesome I mean, her only weakness is the fact that obviously she's deaf, so she has to be able to see somebody's lips moving in order to to read their lips if they're not using sign language around her. So she she can do that. Like she's an expert at reading lips, so she can see any conversation anybody's having if she, if they're in eyesight, which I think is is awesome because it's not a superpower. It's literally just something that like anybody could do if they know how to like read someone's lips properly. And it's, it's, it's really cool if you know how to read people kind of thing. And the actress is, the actress is awesome. I love that her little cousin played flashback, like her, her literal, the actress's literal little cousin played past her in those flashback scenes. I think that's such a, such a fun background note. Um, And I, I think she was a highlight of the show. I obviously wish she had gotten a little bit more screen time, but I thought she was, she's a fantastic character, great addition. And it's very obvious where they went, Oh, let's make an echo show. And I mean, in the comic books right now, she actually has the Phoenix force. Yes, really. Um, so it would be kind of interesting to see if they ever kind of pull that trigger when they bring in the X-Men and kind of start messing with all that. So
Uh, Echo was the thing that I absolutely like the character that I absolutely loved uh, the introduction of and everything about her. Um, you know, Marvel's doing a great job, like between uh, Makari and Eternals and then with Echo and Hawkeye, you know, uh, trying to bring a little more uh, representation in there. And, you know, rather than casting somebody who has their hearing and then just being like, you know, ag deaf, you know, like actually um you know casting somebody who is deaf um and again like like episode three oh my god like that fight scene like with her and and oh i, I was amazed by how Loved somebody it. with uh you know prosthetics was able to fight um you know like that i wouldn't have thought uh that she could do the combat like because i think that is the most intense actual fighting you know hand-to-hand type fighting that we got in the whole show and so yeah i was blown away by it definitely looking forward to the echo spinoff series uh because of that very very intrigued by the character and yeah like i mean and this is something i forgot to mention about hawkeye as the, the show i love that we're getting the street level back you know between this and spider-man basically hinting that in the future spider-man's gonna go back to being a street level character rather than like the cosmic avengers type character he's been in these movies you know like i I was really happy about that because i I want more of like the different levels of marvel stuff like tell me some street level stories then tell me the cosmic stuff like you know it doesn't have to all be like world-ending catastrophes every time uh but but yeah like uh, uh uh any other thoughts on echo Eric nailed it for me. Yeah, I think he's a great character. Uh, And I I think uh, a legitimate villain that has some of the great things about a villain. One, they can actually hold their own, but B, there's a a sufficient backstory to make you empathize with the person. So, yeah, two for two for me on that. Yeah, I, I, I'll agree. I, I don't. I didn't know a lot about Echo coming in, so I don't have a lot to say on the character. But I, I have to say, um, the the performance, the actress, the performance was was just astounding. It taking uh, basically a fairly tropish sort of arc, redemptive arc, and really investing in it to where I really cared about the people that she was around, and I cared about her as a character. And I was so invested in her and what she was doing that it didn't even bother me that I've seen this arc a billion times. Mm-hmm. I was I was bought in. She's such a great job well yeah i mean she she built her whole thing on loyalty right like 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 eric was saying like she's not a bad person even though she was a criminal because it was all about loyalty to fisk who mm-hmm. who helped raise her and, and and she thought was a friend of her father's and you know as as much as fisk can be a friend of anyone i'm sure mm-hmm. he is but that doesn't take precedence over business so you know like that again yeah and finding out that oh like that that loyalty does not mean you know, <laughs> does not mean anything when the person who, you know, you're loyal to is not, you know, loyal back to you. So, um, yeah, uh, it was uh, it was really good performance. But, yeah, I'm, I'm going to talk about Jack, who. Yes, uh, I, 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 I was really happy because a I called that it was the mom and not Jack from the very beginning, because like the way that was his name Armand. Mm-hmm was like talking about how he was worried for Jack because of the relationship with the mom. And I'm like, Oh God, Kate's got this all wrong. Cause she doesn't think anything could be like, it's the mom. That's the problem. It is not Jack. And, mm. uh, but they kept playing Jack in this weird way that made him seem like there was something wrong there. But I was like, wait a minute. Is that, is that the swordsman? 
And then I was like, oh my God, like they're doing the swordsman. And so then I had to wiki it to make sure I was right. You know, uh, but <laughs> I was like, wait, what is the swordsman's real name? I forgot. And then I looked it up and I was like, oh, they're doing the swordsman. So <laughs> yes, I love that. I love the transition. Like I said, he was kind of offbeat, a little weird in the beginning. I wasn't sure how I felt about him, but by the end when he's helping out and just being that like sort of goofy way of just like, oh yeah, I've got like one really great skill and I'm going to use it. I was just like, you go, man. That was great. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if they do anything with him uh, again in the future. But I was definitely happy that they went with a real comic deep cut, uh, you know, a character that doesn't get a lot of prominence or a lot of love. Uh, I'm sure I've only ever read like, you know, less than a half dozen comics with the swordsman in my entire life. But, you know, it was great. It was great to actually see him. Great. I mean, obviously his comic book counterpart is legitimately the guy that that trained clint barton Mm -hmm. when he was growing up in the circus but it's really i came out of the show and i think i even wrote it in my facebook post when that last episode hit i was just like i was just like jack is a giant big dumb nerd and i love him (laughs) i i love everything about this guy i need i need him in like anything like i would love to see him in something with you know like maybe maybe if they do pull the trigger on agents of atlas pull jack in there but you know agents of atlas doesn't have to be a full-on serious you know thing it can be like you you throw him in with uh darcy and uh and um uh come on brain why can't i think of uh jimmy woo thank you i couldn't jimmy woo is one of my favorite characters and i couldn't think of his name um throw him jimmy woo darcy uh bring in um Bring in one of my favorites from the comic books, the uh, the uh, never mind, I'm blanking on him, but yeah, do the agents of Atlas and bring Jack in there. I think that would be fun, or just do anything with Jack because Jack is awesome, he's a big dumb nerd, and I love him. <laughs> yeah, he's lovable to me in the same way that David Harbour's Red Guardian was lovable. Yeah. It's like, yeah, he's a little divorced from reality. You know, like he's very reliant on his skills and doesn't seem to like understand. Like, it doesn't seem like he's phased at all, like about like, oh, like my fiance is like really a criminal or anything like just kind of like he's just this happy go lucky guy that's just going to use his skill when he thinks that he can use it to help people. And it's the way that's it's really endearing. (laughs) Um, But any other thoughts about Jack? I definitely want to see more from him. Um, it's, it's a character you could probably do too much of if you wanted to, but mm. but put him in a group and and give him a few moments and he will brighten up an ensemble show for sure. I'd love to see that happen. Yeah, yeah nothing, nothing else for me that hasn't been said. All good stuff. All right. All right. Well, guys, I, I think we've covered Hawkeye pretty thoroughly. It'll be interesting to see like where these characters go. I don't know if we're going to get an actual Hawkeye season two, but there's definitely going to be more from Hawkeye and more from almost all of the characters in this. I think, you know, like we're, you know, I mean, Jack's probably the one that it's like the, the most question marks around, like whether they'll pull him, but most likely he'll, you know, be around again. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what we get, uh, you know, and of course, Echo has a confirmed series. Um, but uh, but now let's say our goodbyes and let people know where they can find us online, uh, if if anywhere. Uh, so, um, Stephen, let's start with you. Sure. Hi. Um, thanks for having me. Um, last Hill I'll Die On. I love the uh, bonus scene of the musical. Sorry, I'm the last <laughs> fan to do that. Um, <laughs> online, gosh, I, uh, you'll catch me sometimes with um, Zooming the Movies or some of the 
Facebook groups that are doing play readings. I'm doing a play in Woodstock that'll open at the end of the month. If you find yourself in Woodstock, Illinois, come on by and see Noises Off. It'll be a great time. Um, and a film project that I'm will be really soon. So thank you for having me. It was great having you on, Stephen. And Baviar, say goodbye and let people know where they can find you. Hey, it's been a pleasure, y'all. Uh, check me out at theallianctheater.org. Also, if you're in Atlanta, Georgia, check out the Theatrical Outfits Unexpected Play Festival uh, running through the, uh, the month of February. Uh, we'll be doing digital plays online all month. So thanks a lot. Pleasure. Ah, you're welcome. It's good having you on. And Eric, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? May I do some quick uh, Hawkeye recommended reading? Uh, if it's quick. Oh, it is. Obviously, highly recommend um, the original Hawkeye miniseries by Mark, Gr- Mark Grunwald, which I would highly recommend. It is in both hardcover and trade format. Uh, Kurt Busiek's Avengers run, as well as his Thunderbolts run, which are heavily Hawkeye. Uh, very recently, there was Hawkeye Freefall by Matthew Rosenberg. There was also uh, Tales of Suspense, Hawkeye and the Winter Soldier, also by Matthew Rosenberg. Uh, Captain America and Hawkeye by Cullen Bunn. Uh, Hawkeye versus Deadpool uh, by Jerry Duggan, which is also very fun. A thing that felt directly like a sequel, uh, which is New Avengers Union, which was basically a sequel to Grunwald's um, uh, original Hawkeye mini literally 20 years after that mini uh, by Jim McCann and his whole Hawkeye Mockingbird run, which is well worth the read. And finally, this one that I don't agree with, but Young Avengers Volume 1 uh, by Alan Heinberg, which is 13 issues of fun, um, as well as the Hawkeye Matt Fraction run and Ave- Young Avengers Children's Crusade, uh, all of which feature a version of hawkeye <laughs> and you can find me as always internets at just very simply at eric Radcliffe on twitter uh where you can basically find all the other social links newcomicday.net uh why i love comics the audio edition and is that it neat i'm getting so much better at that <laughs> That's all I know of. Good, because that's all I know of, too. Uh, all right. So basically, everyone, just read anything with Hawkeye in it, and you're, you're good. But Daviar, uh, <laughs> Stephen, and Eric, thank you so much for being on the show this week. Thank you, fellas. Thank you. You guys are awesome. And that's it for our Hawkeye episode. What did you think of the episode? What did you think of our cast for this week? What did you think about the Disney Plus shows for Marvel in general? You can let us know in a bunch of different ways. One way is to email us at everything at 42cast.com. Another way is to go to our website, 42cast.com, and leave us a review on any of our episodes. You can go to facebook.com slash 42cast, or you can tweet to us at 42cast, or go to our Instagram at 42cast. You can also leave us reviews on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. With Apple Podcasts, the reviews really do help. The more reviews we get, the more we'll show up in searches. So we appreciate if you'd help us out with that if you have an Apple account. I also want to let you know about the ESO Network Patreon. That's a way that you can help all the shows on the network. There are various tiers that give you various things for various amounts contributed. So you can check that out at patreon.com slash ESO Network. You can review all of that. And if you have the funds to contribute, we would definitely appreciate it. You can find me on two other podcasts, both of which are on hiatus, but will be coming back this summer. The first one is Time Streams, where my friend Juliet and I are going through all of Doctor Who from the beginning. You don't have to purchase the episodes because Juliet and I explain everything important that happens in them. So if you just want to hear us banter, 
If you just want to hear us talk about Classic Who and learn a little bit about it, you can do that. But if you want to follow along with us, that will certainly help. Juliet and I are also on a show called Legendary Forces, where the two of us, combined with Joe, Ashley, and Corey, are going through all of Star Wars fictional media from the beginning. That's all the movies, TV shows, comics, novels, anything that actually happens in the Star Wars universe. We review the media to talk about its quality, but then we also talk about what it contributes to the overall Star Wars legacy. So we'll talk about things like canon and continuity, about ideas that came in with earlier material and are then used in later material. We'll talk about the things that are dropped along the way. So if that interests you, that is Legendary Forces. Beth and I have started watching Clone Wars and Cobra Kai. Clone Wars, because everyone has told us we need to watch it, so we're going through there. We've almost finished the first season. Neither one of us is enamored with it yet. I keep hearing it gets better after the first season, so we'll see. Cobra Kai is a lot of fun. I'm enjoying it a lot more than I thought that I would. We're on the second season of that one, and I am really curious to see where that show is going, so I'll definitely keep you posted on that. In con news, still planning on going to Fan Expo Chicago, still planning on going to Chicago TARDIS, but those are definitely going to be it for this year. We don't have the funds really to go to any other cons, but definitely excited about some of the guests that I'm going to meet at Fan Expo Chicago, such as Giancarlo Esposito. Oh my god, I'm finally going to get to meet him. (laughs) That guy is so amazing, and I can't wait to meet him. So, uh, yeah, if you're going to either of those cons, definitely, if you hear me, if you see them going to be on a panel or something, like a Chicago TARDIS, definitely, I'd love for people to come by, introduce themselves to me, let me know they listen to the show, so uh, please do that. All right, that's it for this week. Join us back next week when Bradley Cooper will not be joining us. And until then, this is Nathan, signing off. You have been listening to the 42 cast, copyright 2023. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. The 42 cast is a proud member of the ESO network. has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.